This month, we're taking a little bit different approach to our spirituality. We're using the infinite way of Joel Goldsmith's for, uh, for inspiration. And, uh, you know, generally if you come to a Science of Mind Center and, uh, and want some inspirational um, sort of advice in a way, what you're going to get is, well, you know, if you pray a certain way, if you uh, do affirmations, if you use these spiritual tools, your life will get better. And Joel Goldsmith has a sneaky way of just simply saying, so what? <laughs> so we're going to talk about that today. He says, so what, from a, a kind of a unique angle. And I want to start off by simply asking, who here is aware of all of the various roles that they have played in their lives? Okay, all right. I did a little... Uh, survey of myself last night. I just took down a, a pencil, a number two pencil, and a piece of paper, and I wrote down all of the roles that I could ever remember playing in my life. I ended up with like over 125 without even thinking about it too much. I mean, I started out in the role of a baby. Now, I, I will admit, it didn't require much work. I just kind of had to wiggle and cry a little bit, right? And we all kind of start out in that role. But from there, I went to student, I went to son, I went to um, a worker because I, I, had, uh, I had summer jobs all, all the time I was in school. I went to uh, foster parent because I did foster parenting for a while. Um, I, you know, I just, it kind of went on and on and it, and it sort of ended up with a, a role as a, as a different kind of student, as a graduate student, and then finally a minister. And it even had some, I think, some ones that you'll identify with in the middle. The role of housekeeper, for instance, I, I had to admit, I had to write that one down. And, uh, and also a, a janitorial service manager, I had to put that one down, as well as part-time construction, because, you know, when things happen around the house, you know, you can't always just call a handy person. Sometimes that handy person is this person. Joel Goldsmith would say, Larry, this is interesting, and it's also dangerous. He says that as we identify with our roles, we find ourselves in that unwelcome position of not really knowing who we are. There are a couple things he says that are dangerous about over-identification with a role. And, and it really doesn't matter which one, whether it's a, uh, with your role maybe as a professional musician or whether it's your role as minister, whether it's your role as you know mom or, or a wife or a husband. He says there are a couple things that are dangerous about it. One is someone else has defined that role. If you think about it, very few roles do we get to define. Do you know what I mean? And oh my gosh, stepping into the role that someone else has defined. And, and do you know how they usually do it? They usually do it also in terms of perfection, right? The perfect mom, the perfect employee, the perfect husband, the perfect father. Who can ever hope to live up to roles that have been defined by other people, especially cultural roles that have been set up for maybe hundreds and thousands of years. I mean, there's probably nothing trickier on this planet than to be a mom or a dad right now. Do you know what I mean? We have centuries of people saying, this is what a good mom should be. This is what a good dad should be. And in some ways, from the get-go, 
we are doomed to a certain amount of failure if our goal is to live up to this giant, perfect, flawless role. The other thing that, um, that Joel Goldsmith said is, um, the other little problem here is, what happens when a role is just taken away from you? If you have defined yourself as that role, well, who are you then? I still remember one of my first bosses at the telephone company. I had a 25-year um, career with the telephone company. And one of my very first bosses, Mr. Corboy was his name. And that was still back when because he was in a position of authority, you called him Mr. Corboy. Some, some of you are too young to even imagine that a boss we would refer to in that way. But when I first started, he was in his 70s as my boss at the telephone company. Now you might ask, in his 70s, really? Yes, he had put in 52 years with the telephone company. And I still remember his uh, retirement party. Mrs. Corboy was there too, this shadowy figure that we had never, we'd heard of but never seen before. Uh, Mr. Corboy was like six foot four and Mrs. Corboy was like five foot two. And so they made a very uh, unlikely looking couple on the stage. And I remember him talking a little bit about his many years of service to the telephone company and how proud he was to put in the 52 years and, you know, and he droned on a little bit. And, and then the MC handed the microphone to Mrs. Corboy and said, so how do you feel about your husband's retirement? And she said, I am scared. And I think she was voicing something very real here was a man whose entire life had been defined as a manager in the telephone company, and now he was going to be spending 16 hours, well, really 24 hours a day, but eight of them sleeping at least, with Mrs. Corboy, and she was scared, as she should be, as she should be. When our roles change drastically, there is a time when we don't really know who we are anymore. I, I think it's one of the reasons that people cry at weddings. Now bear with me for a minute. <laughs> bear with me for a minute. I'm doing a wedding in a couple of weeks and I'm looking forward to it. And my observation is, it isn't very often the bride and groom that are crying, right? They've already figured this thing out and it's just a joyous and, well, joyous. Sometimes it's a little hectic too, but mostly a joyous day for them. But I look at the parents of both the bride and the groom, they are bawling. And generally the, the husbands, the spouses, the fathers as well. And do you know why that is? Their identity is changing. There was a time, probably 20, 25 years of their lives, where what they knew about themselves was that they were a parent and that their number one responsibility was making the lives of their children good, safe, wholesome. Suddenly, who are they? I mean, they still get to be a parent, right? But not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. Something else that Joel Goldstein, Goldstein Something else that Joel Goldsmith says is that we also cannot pay too much attention to our life events. He says that's another way that often we define who we are. Now, a life event can be something very simple, but if you think about your own life, something in your own life that you would say 
after that happened, you were a different person. Do you know what I mean? For some people, it starts very early in life. It might be a transformational teacher, an, an, an event of being in a class with a transformational person. For some people, it could be a bit of violence or illness. If you think about it, if someone who's gone through a, um, um, really a, a powerful period of being ill and maybe having their life on the line through illness, sometimes they will define themselves as like a cancer survivor. And clearly, this uh, incident of having cancer is going a long ways towards defining them. Some people will have a defining moment as maybe a significant award that they won or, or something that really, uh, really stood out in terms of achievement they have done. But Goldsmith said that this too is dangerous because such definitions tend to box us in. If we view ourselves as a cancer survivor and, and, and we really think of ourselves in those terms, have we not kind of limited the, the full character, the full nature, the full power that we are? If we begin identifying with one particular event or one particular way of being, whether it be a role or something that happened to us, if that represents us, we really are limiting who we are and what, we can, and what we can become. Finally, Joel Goldsmith says, another form of identification that is equally dangerous is identifying with our physical body. And I managed to find a joke here that, uh, that hopefully you'll like about the human body. So three engineers are sitting around a pitcher of beer, and they're arguing about what type of engineer was in charge of the, of the design of the human body. Now, the electrical engineer believed that the human body was obviously designed by an electrical engineer because the nervous system acts as a communication and control system, and the brain is the best computer ever invented. The mechanical engineer, however, thought, well, that's interesting, but the body couldn't manage without the complex mechanisms that make up the arms, the legs, the trunk, etc., that it clearly had to be a mechanical engineer. But in the end, they were persuaded by the civil engineer. Only a civil engineer would put a toxic waste pipeline right through the middle of a recreational area. <laughs> All right. So some of you don't have dirty minds, and I, I, I apologize. <laughs> Joel says that if we identify with our bodies, we are equally able to get into trouble. Because what happens? Our body changes. We are perhaps not the same person that we were when we were 10 or 15, or 20, or 25, or the age we are now. And because I think this is something worth experiencing, um, I hope you're willing. I want to do a little bit of a spiritual practice with you all. So if you're willing, close your eyes, and we're going to do a very short guided meditation. Today, we're going to use our minds as a time machine. Through the power of our own memory and through our own intuition, I would invite you to go back to your very first memories of what it was like to be alive. Please picture yourself at this early time in your life. What do you look like? What does it feel like to be you? Maybe, maybe at play 
or uh, in a particular joyous moment? What does it feel like to be you? And in your mind's eye, what do you look like? What is it like living in this body at this early career, at this early time of your life? Just get that memory of your early life and what your physical body looks like and feels like in your mind. Now use your mind to travel forward a bit in time. Pick a time in early adulthood. Maybe this is when you graduated from high school, maybe it's when you got your first job or when you were first in a long-term relationship. Picture yourself at this time of life in early adulthood. And in your mind's eye, view your body at that time. What did it feel like to be in this body? And, and what did you look like? Maybe look down at your body in your mind's eye and just do a quick scan of what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Just what it feels like and looks like to be at this early age of adulthood. And now finally, once again, use your mind to travel forward to the present day. You are now at your current age and living in your current body. Once again, picture yourself at this time in your physical existence. What does it feel like to be in your body at this time of your life? Mentally look down at your body and think of the things that you like or the things that you don't like. But just if you can, capture the feelings of living in your current body, what it looks like and what the feelings are. And now I invite you to just bring your awareness back into the room and open your eyes. Science tells us that our entire body recycles itself in between about a five and a seven year period. And by that I mean that every single cell in your body within a seven year period, and for most of our body even a five year period, has died off and been recreated at the cellular level. So there is no single physical part of you that is the same now as it was even five or seven years ago. So clearly, in a, in a um, what do I want to say, an anatomically correct, <laughs> physiological way, clearly you are not the person you were 10 years ago. But doesn't it feel like you are? Isn't there something in you that isn't your body, that isn't the roles, that isn't your life experiences? Uh, for those of us who are maybe in our um, 40s or 50s, um, I can think in my own head that I'm still 20 again. Do you know what I mean? There's a part of me that still 
exactly seems like that teenager, like that young boy. There's a part of me that still seems so clearly that I'm both a a young man and a child and a full adult and even a middle-aged fellow all at the same time. There is a part of me, there's a part of all of us that is something more than the sum of what we are in the world, the roles we play. It's more than the sum of what's happened to us in our life. Certainly more than just who we are in this physical body. The infinite way that we are studying this month asks us, who are we really? And it gives us a couple clues. First of all, it says instead of thinking about doing, Think about who you are becoming. And even beyond thinking about who you are becoming, imagine yourself, as we do in the science of mind, as part of God, right? If we say that God is every person, every place, everything, every situation, that means that we represent, if you will, a part of God, maybe a small part, but a a part of God in physical form. And so the question might even be better asked, What is God trying to become working through you and as you? Now God, uh, of course, being everywhere and everything, probably just doesn't need someone striving to be that perfect mother again. I mean, this is a, a good and laudable thing for our children, but probably not what God is aching to do through you. Your role as a business person or, or something like that, probably not what God is aching to do through you. Probably not what your spiritual destiny is. I often think of God working through me in terms of qualities of God. Is God trying to act through me to bring more love in the world? Is God trying to work through me as more peace? as an expression of joy, as an expression of abundance? Only you can answer these kinds of questions, but that's the question I'm pitching today. Who are you really? Who is God becoming more of, more grander as, through you? Joel Goldsmith says that if we begin focusing on those kinds of questions, not focusing on uh, what went wrong at work or why I had the fight with my girlfriend, not stressing out over um, a car payment, not overly worried or over-identified with roles and situations, he says that the more time we spend in our true sense as an emissary, as a real embodiment of God doing something grand in the world, then all of those extraneous external details will take care of themselves. So I want to close today with just a slightest bit of homework for you all. And it's just a question. It's just answering a question. The question is, who are you really? And try to go beyond the roles that you've played. Try to go beyond the life happenings that have happened to you. Try even going beyond visualizing yourself in your body as strong or beautiful or or whatever your body uh, might bring up in your mind. 
who are you really? What is it that through you can become something great and powerful in the world? I'm going to close with a quote from The Infinite Way and a prayer. Goldsmith says, The search for freedom from the trials and tribulations of human experience has already begun. It is really a search for God. And it begins at whatever place in consciousness the individual may find themselves in right now. If he has a deep religious sense with a church background, he may seek the power in religious worship. The intellectual may undoubtedly seek the power in the realm of philosophy. And in more recent times, the search may turn to the metaphysical church or oriental yoga practice. One of these steps may eventually halt the reign of mortality. One day, something will simply happen. One feels a flow of warmth, a, a presence before known, before never known, becomes tangible, becomes real. It lingers in memory, but maybe more at first as a dream than an actuality. Until it happens again and perhaps lasting longer. Gradually, there dawns in consciousness the realization of a presence that is always at hand. Let us pray. There is one power. There is one life. There is one consciousness. There is one good. I call this thing God. And what I know about God is that it is infinite in its supply, that supply of love, of tenderness, of joy, of peace, of abundance. It is infinite in that supply of all good things. And I know it means me. I know that I'm not a, a special man. I know that for everyone here on this planet, God is in full force, ready to deliver that joy, that peace, that love, Whatever it is that is in our heart's desire is here for us as we embody it, as we accept it, as we understand it, as we make it ourselves. And so for each person here on this day, I know that it's ever easier to go beyond the physical nature of your bodies and your roles and your responsibilities, ever easier to sense the divinity within ever easier to know what you stand for and who you really are. And so from this day forward, I know that as well as making plans for this physical life, we are also together making plans for our immortal, beautiful, spiritual lives. I'm grateful for this. I simply let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for being here today.